Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Redeemed Through His Blood. In this podcast, we discuss hope, healing, and redemption through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I'm Scott Durfee. My pleasure to introduce my partner in this project, our teacher, David Durfee. Thankful to be here. Thank you. Hi, everybody. And uh, today we're so excited to be able to uh, get into kind of the meat and potatoes of repentance and what it is and so much of what we we've done has been uh, all pointed to this, I think. Yeah, it is. Before we get started, Dave, let's just uh, thank everybody for their emails. We've got a lot of great emails over the last week and or week or two. Some good questions, some good comments, some good feedback, and uh, we are incorporating those comments and those questions as we go. We'll probably be able to take one or two of those at some future point and maybe even spend a whole podcast or or large portions of the podcast on those. But we thank you for your participation. We thank you for spreading the good word and sharing this podcast with your friends. We've seen some big growth in terms of our listeners. We appreciate that from you. Uh, And the reason we appreciate that is because we are just grateful that people are being being able to understand and have this uh, this vision or this perspective of repentance and the forgiveness process, all in the effort to bring us closer to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you have questions, if you have comments, we invite you to send those to us. Here's our email address. It is us at gmail.com. He redeems us at gmail.com. So send us those questions, send us those comments. We get back to them. I I try to respond to every single one. Uh, If we miss you, though, be patient. We'll be uh, making efforts to make sure that that happens. So um, before we get into this week's topic, uh, just a couple of things. I had an experience yesterday I'd like to share. We're recording this on a Monday which is uh, not typical for us. We typically record on Tuesday, but because of circumstances in both of our lives, we're recording this on a Monday. It'll still be released on a Tuesday. But having said that, uh, yesterday, uh, Dave, as part of my Sabbath worship, I was able to attend a missionary farewell. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar, maybe not members of our church or whatnot, surely you're familiar with the missionary program as part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm sure everybody is, white shirts, bicycles, <laughs> uh, all of that. We're in your neighborhoods, in your cities. If uh, you're seeing them, wave to them, stop and talk to them, invite them in. But uh, I have a nephew who is leaving to go on a mission. Uh, he's been called to leave for South Africa, a Johannesburg mission, and he's going to leave in a week or two from now. But I, I wanted to just share an experience that I had uh, in in sacrament meeting yesterday after we had partaken of the emblems of the Last Supper or the sacrament and renewed covenants and experienced that spiritual connection again. My uh, nephew, who uh, is going on a mission, was talking about now just a little bit about him. He's a really good football player, uh, star athlete in the state, uh, top recruit. He'll be playing college football when he comes home from his mission at a major university here. And uh, on a a scholarship, he uh, was uh, uh, recruited by many, many, many big uh, teams uh, and colleges around. But he shared about, uh, he told a story, Dave. He said that when he was uh, in in the early years of his football career in high school, that uh, there were a lot of guys on the team that kind of took him under their wing 
mentored him, kind of helped him along. You can imagine, you know, as a young boy, I, I remember when I was a little kid, a younger guy looking up to the juniors and seniors when I was a freshman and sophomore, just thinking they were absolutely adults. Well, I'm sure that was his experience too. But one of the things that really stood out to me that he shared, and this is the message, he said before his first varsity game, he got a phone call from one of his, one of these guys. Uh, and they said, okay, Luke, um, before each of our games, we go to the temple. And it looks okay. He says, so at, uh, early in the morning on Fridays before their varsity football games, a good core of this team would go to the temple. And, and he said, he said, we wanted to go to the temple to help Heavenly Father, to help us to know that Heavenly Father knows what's really important to us and to keep in perspective for ourselves what's really important to us so that we don't get out of kilter, so we don't get off balance in our approach to life thinking that this football thing's more important than anything else because it's not. And I, the lesson behind that for me was, you know, oftentimes we get uh, comments, we get questions how do we help our kids? How do we help our kids stay on the path? How do we help our kids experience the things that you guys, Scott and David, are talking about? Well, what a great example of choosing the right friends and putting uh, our, our lives in, in attunement with our Heavenly Father so that uh, we can attract and be attracted to those kinds of friends. And so I think the message there. Um, for all of us, perhaps, is friends are a big deal, and helping our kids and even ourselves choose people in our lives that will enable us and inspire us and encourage us to live according to our Heavenly Father's will is kind of an important thing. So I wanted to share that. It was an important experience I had yesterday, Dave. Yeah, that's that's, that's such a sweet uh, experience, and... Um... I think they were a pretty winning team. I think how many state championships? Two. Yeah, I two, think two. Two, yeah, two state championships, yeah. and uh, it's fun to watch uh, Luke Pitt play occasionally. And uh, anyway, what a sweet thing that uh, that those uh, young men. You know, sometimes you you watch them play football, and you have no idea what's really going on, or the the foundation that they're really uh, based their lives on. And uh, I think it all comes down again to relationships. And th they went not so that they would be better football players. They went so that they would be better individuals and that they could uh, show their Heavenly Father what was important to them. And uh, what, a, what an amazing way to live your life. And now he's going on a mission because... He knows what's important, and he's putting uh, his relationship with his Heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ uh, above everything else in his life. And what a, what a great way to start your life. Yeah, we can all, we can all learn from that, do better, and, and uh, pray that, uh, that all of us will make the temple more of a part of our, our life. Yeah, it's just—it's actually just a natural progression of where we are now, right? I mean, everything that uh, we're trying to do and talk about and encourage us all to consider and participate in is more of a more pure and complete coming unto our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, the pinnacle of that here on this planet is the temple. 
and uh, we're grateful to know that. Well, today, uh, Dave, over the last couple of uh, episodes, we've talked about what repentance is not. And then we talked about pride and fear and, uh, and how... What, what keeps us from repenting. What keeps us from repenting. The roadblocks, the stumbling blocks, uh, you know, all of those things. Well, today we dive into what it is and why it's important. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about this. This is where, you know, I think it's really important to understand what repentance is not. I think it's really important to understand what uh, keeps us from repenting. But uh, now we really get a touch on the positive and the blessings and the joy. Uh, even though it's not easy, it, it, is, it is simple, Scott. I want to begin maybe today by, um, in our discussion, by quoting one of my favorite quotes from Hugh Nibley, who in this quote, he begins by asking the question, who is righteous? And his answer is, anyone who is repenting. And then the quote goes on. No matter how bad he has been, if he is repenting, he is a righteous man. There is hope for him. And no matter how good he has been all his life, if he or she is not repenting, he is a wicked man. The difference is which way you are facing. The man on the top of the stairs facing down is much worse off than the man at the bottom of the stairs facing up. When the direction we are facing is towards Jesus Christ, that is repentance. And that is what determines whether we are good or bad. I just, I love that because it's, it's kind of the essence. There's another quote that I love that talks about from Elder Maxwell that we need to live in a posture of repentance. We need to be re- living, not just repenting every day, we need to live in a state of repentance, overcoming our pride and our fears through the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ is what really repentance is all about. So as we, as we jump into it, we should begin to maybe to describe what are the conditions of repentance. These conditions of repentance, I think, are really kind of the, the beginning point. If, if we want to kind of go through the process of repentance, I think this is where it really begins. We've talked about faith in Christ, of course. There's no power in repentance without faith in Jesus Christ, so maybe that's where it really truly begins. But, but now as we have the adequate faith to, to begin the process, one must begin to understand the importance of what, what I call the conditions of repentance, which are, and in Elder Anderson's book, they're called the, uh, I think, the three friends of repentance, uh, three beloved friends. That's the chapter in Elder Anderson's book. And they are, a broken heart and a contrite spirit and godly sorrow. So maybe, maybe I can begin by trying to describe what repentance is uh, by sharing an experience with a missionary I had at the Missionary Training Center. This is also in Elder Anderson's book. I'll maybe give a little more detail. When serving as branch president there at the MTC, of course, there's, there's no other place on the face of this earth, Scott, 
as Luke's going to find out, and every other missionary that goes there, there is no place on earth where there's more repentance taking place in one place than at the missionary training center. And that's why it's so spiritual. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's so spiritual there because there's so much repentance taking place there. Anyway, I had a missionary come in and, and uh, repent on the first Sunday that he was there about all the things that he had done wrong, and it, it kind of went something like this. He, he, he began to confess to me by saying, well, let's just make this really short. I, I've, I've done everything. Well, there you go. <laughs> I've done everything. I said, well, okay, uh, Elder, let's, let's kind of uh, back up just a little bit and uh, tell me what... Oh, I, I told you, I've done everything. And it, 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 it was a kind of a long session with him because he had just about done everything. And, and uh, it was obvious from the things that he had not repented of, not confessed or not taken care of with priesthood leaders before he came into the mission, and because of his attitude and where he was at, that uh, it was obvious to me that he was going to be sent home. The brethren were gonna, would, would send him home. I know he was from out of state. I think he was from Missouri, happened to be from Missouri. Uh, when the, the brethren did uh, finally, well, only a day or two later, uh, the announcement was given to me that he, should be sent, that he would be sent home. So I called him in and gave him the news, and he was really mad about that, really upset, didn't understand. Told him that uh, I'd come back the next day and help him to, you know, depart. And I went back the next day to give him an exit interview, and I remember he came down in his Levi's and a golf shirt and had put his earring back in his ear, and he was upset about the whole situation. I asked him a question do you even want to come back here? Is there any, even a chance you want to come back here? And he thought about it for a minute. And he said, well, I don't know. And to try to make a point, I firmly said, Elder, you can never come back here. You will never come back here until you have a broken heart and contrite spirit. And you obviously don't. And uh, that kind of got his attention, and he looked at me with kind of a quizzical look on his face and searching, and he said, well, tell me, President, how could I break my own heart? Uh, I'd never been asked that question. I talked a lot about a contrite spirit and broken heart in the MTC, and nobody had ever asked me that question. And I thought, what a great question. And I could tell that it was sincere. He was asking me a sincere question. Uh, and I knew by the power of the Holy Ghost the answer, Scott. And I think this is what it takes to fulfill the conditions of repentance. And so I answered this missionary. I said, well, Elder... When you come to a point in your repentance, when you know the pain and the suffering that you cost a God, even Jesus Christ, when you come to see him in Gethsemane and on the cross, and you begin to feel even a small portion of his pain and his suffering, which he suffered for you, that you might not suffer. When you feel that, when you see that with an eye of faith, 
your heart will be very broken and your spirit contrite. And I could tell he, he got it. Then he went home. And uh, I called him, I think, every week uh, on Sunday uh, for several weeks. Scott, when he came back, and he did come back, and he was a totally different person. And I could tell he had been to Gethsemane and back. I asked him, so, Elder, please tell me, tell me, what, what's the change? And he shared with me his experience, and he, the essence of it was that he had uh, tried to read the Book of Mormon uh, hours a day and had read the Book of Mormon while he'd been home in less, he'd been home for six months. And when he came back, he said he had read the Book of Mormon, I think, uh, four or five times that it was the reading of the Book of Mormon when he finally got a glimpse and a vision of uh, what Christ had done for him and what his sins had done to Christ, he knew and experienced what godly sorrow was, what it meant to have a broken heart, contrite spirit. And after that, Scott, after meeting those conditions of repentance with faith and those conditions repentance went really quickly. You know, Dave, a lot of us, and in, in, in when I say us, I do mean us, me included in this. I think that there's times in my life when there have been repentance that's been necessary. There's times in all of our lives when repentance is necessary. That's every day. But some big sins, little sins, we've talked about that, or uh, we've alluded to that. And I think that... Um, as he went home and as he had that experience and contemplated the experience of until you can understand what you caused Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, you will never be able to fully repent. I think that goes for all of us. That's, that's absolutely true for all of us. I know that as I have tried to compartmentalize my sins and repent of this or repent of that, and I'll get to those other things as uh, time allows or when I get courageous enough or when they become problematic enough that I need to deal with them up front. But, you know, when we go to Gethsemane, when we go to the cross, when we go to back in those early episodes, and I think that, you know, five, six, seven, eight, right in those episodes right in there as we talk about those things, and we talk about, and you've said this multiple times in various episodes of these podcasts, Dave, is that when Jesus says, come unto me, where, is he, where does he want us to come? Well, that's where he wants us to come. You've said that. I think we even approached that again in our last, most recent podcast prior to this one. But that's where he asks us to come. As we go there, as that young missionary went there, and as we all go there, uh, the promises can be sure that we will fill his spirit. We will fill our sins, our troubles, our pains, and all things in our life that is not like him. We will feel those things being paid for. We will feel those things being reconciled. We will feel a cleansing and a wholeness come into us that can't come into us in any other way. And that's what this young missionary felt, Dave. Well, what we really feel when we go to Gethsemane and we stand at the foot of the cross and we, we see the, the pain and the suffering of Jesus Christ for my sins, for your sins, knowing he would do all of that just for you, we know he did it for all of the world, but that he would do it just for me. I am filled 
with such gratitude for him and such love for him. And I feel his love for me. That is the motivating power that every individual must have to truly repent of their sins, to repent of sinning. I I think we've said before, Scott, that one of the real misconceptions that keeps us from feeling forgiven of sin is that people try to repent of a sin instead of repenting of sinning. We need to repent of sinning. It's ludicrous to think that I can repent of, of fornication, yet committing all of these other sins of omission, not reading my scriptures, not saying my prayers, not keeping the Sabbath day holy, not paying my tithing, not magnifying. I mean, we, repentance has to be seen as laying all of our sins on, on the altar. Last week we talked about fear and pride, and I should have read this scripture then, but I think it kind of, uh, in essence, uh, ties together what we said last week with uh, what we want to say this week. It talks about fearing not. Fear is such a, a stumbling block, roadblock to our repentance. And Alma just says it so beautifully here. I remember using this scripture several times on my mission to prepare people to receive the uh, invitation to be baptized. So I love this scripture. Uh, it's, it's really Alma 7, 14 and 15, but I'm just going to read 15. Yea, I say unto you, come and fear not, and lay aside every sin which easily doth beset you, which doth bind you down to destruction. Yea, come and go forth and show unto your, your God that you're willing to repent of your sins, plural, sins, every sin, and enter into a covenant with him to keep his commandments, and witness it unto him this day by going into the waters of baptism. So uh, repentance, repentance is truly not... Uh, trying to be forgiven of a sin. I know so many of my students would come in and they couldn't figure out why they didn't feel forgiven. They had done everything they could to repent of some some sin of immorality, often was the case. And uh, they would they would ask me why they don't feel forgiven. They've confessed. They 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 they've been clean. They've they've stopped dating. They've what whatever. And they would say, and I still don't feel forgiven. And I would ask, are you reading the scriptures every day? Are you praying every day, every night? Are you uh, paying your tithing? Tell me about what you do on the Sabbath. And, and as we <laughs> really went into what it takes to, to live the gospel, which I think is part of the posture of repentance that we should all be in, it became clear, pretty clear why uh, many individuals that, that uh, confided in me didn't feel forgiven. Well, let's go back to your uh, opening quote by uh, Brother Hugh Nibley, right? Where he says, the man at the top of the stairs facing down is much worse off than the man at the bottom of the stairs who's facing up. The direction we are facing, that's repentance. And that's what it determines whether we are good or bad. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it's an entire posture. 
It's not where you face and the direction. Right. That's it's exactly. not. It's not where you're at. No. It's the direction you face. That's right. And that's re- that's true repentance. You know, as Deb and I teach this class uh, in our uh, YSA uh, Young Single Adult uh, Institute class at BYU for BYU students and University of Utah Valley University students. That's one of the things that we really try to drive home is that repentance is really about turning away from everything that is not like him and fully facing him, regardless of where we are. It doesn't matter if we're at the bottom of the stairs, halfway up the stairs, or at the top of the proverbial staircase. Yeah. It's where we're facing. Prodigal son. Right. You know, here the prodigal son uh, wanting to come home was facing his father while the other self-righteous brother was living at home and had his back to his father, probably. Yeah, probably. Was using his father. Well, at least complaining that he wasn't getting what his brother was going to get. So, yeah. It. I know it's true. It's not where you're at. It's which direction you face. The The Hebrew word for repentance, Scott, if I'm pronouncing it right, is shub. And it literally means, in the Hebrew, to turn back, to return to God. Right. To turn around, to restore, refresh, repair. Yep. And in the Greek, metneho means to change one's mind for the better. So it means to change, to, uh, to experience a, a change of perspective, how you see things even, not just change of behavior, but even how you see yourself and to see things as they really are. And metneho also literally means to heartily amend and to change one's sinful past. However... I think it's really important that we have this uh, perspective of repentance, Scott. So many people think that repentance is changing themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's repentance. Consider this. I'll ask you a question. I'll, I'll have you respond. What is the difference between these two perspectives? Seeing repentance as changing myself or seeing repentance as being changed by a higher power. Yeah. So therein, I believe, lies the difference in how we approach and whether it will be effective or not. If I am up to me to change me, if it's up to me to change me, that just ain't never going to happen. Because here's the problem. Well, maybe may for a minute. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about change that long, lasts a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I talked right. about last week, you know, being a recovering alcoholic again, you know, in recovery and um, having 20 plus years of, of sobriety that I work on daily to continue to achieve. I can't put that on the shelf. I work on that daily. But here's the problem with that, David. I was only able to do that because I did embrace the help of Heavenly Father. Uh, in recovery, we call it my higher power. But I did embrace that. And that was the only way it could. I think last week, I even said this or the week prior, that quitting was not a problem for me. I could change. Yeah, I could make changes on the daily. How many times do you quit? Uh, five or six times a day sometimes. And, and so I could make the change on the daily, sometimes on the hourly, but that change was not lasting. And that and it was hollow. And it was a ton of work on my part, and it was exhausting, and it created a lot of discouragement for me and others that go through the same process. There's a lot of discouragement there because me, of myself, I'm inadequate to 
affect those kinds of changes. And, and it was never intended for me to be effective in those kinds of changes. The intention here is for me to learn to wholly rely on the merits of Christ who is mighty to save. And that's it. And so once that changed from, okay, Scott, just, you know, and people tell you this, right? People will say, Scott, just stop. Scott or whoever, just stop doing whatever it is that you're doing. A little more willpower, a little more effort, a little more grit, you right, know, and right. we, and we talk about, and there's nothing wrong with right. grit and there's nothing wrong with willpower and there's nothing wrong with resolve unless it's attached to ourselves in and of ourselves. We can't save ourselves. Who can save us? Only he can save us. And so if my repentance is up to me, it won't happen. If my repentance and my change is up to him, then it has to happen. Because that's why he went through what he went through. Well, in the in the real sense of the word repentance, Scott, uh, I mean, uh, repentance means to be redeemed. Right. I, I think that the redemption part of this is sometimes not as emphasized as it should be or not as focused on as it should be. There are so many people who can who can change their behaviors, right? And some do it very well, and some do it permanently. I'm sure there's lots of, again, we've said this, uh, I'm sure there's lots of agnostics and even atheists who can, uh, through their willpower and self-mastery, that they can overcome uh, certain behaviors in their life, maybe even how they see things in their life, and they they can probably live pretty good lives. Repentance has to be a relationship with Jesus Christ that our forgiveness, I mean, you can change and still not be forgiven. You can change by the Lord Jesus Christ or by our Heavenly Father. You can, you can change and still not be redeemed. Re- repentance in the purest, holiest sense means that not only are we changed through the atonement of Jesus Christ and by the power of of the Holy Spirit, which administers the atonement of Christ and his power in our lives. But it means that we are redeemed. Right. It means that we are saved. It means that we have a relationship. It, it means that we are seeking to become more like him, that we are be- seeking to become sanctified, born again, holy. That is the essence of repentance, not just changing a behavior. Through, I, I love this scripture that in uh, in Helaman it says, uh, and also that ye might know the coming of Jesus Christ. And it says in verse thirteen, and if ye believe on His name, ye will repent of all your sins. There it is again, plural. That thereby ye may have a remission of them through his merits. Having a remission of sins is more than just stopping bad behaviors and adopting good behaviors. Remission of sins means redemption through Jesus Christ and his merits, not through our efforts. That's Helaman chapter 14, verse 13. Thank you. So, I, I, I just think that we, to see repentance, right, to see what it really is, uh, gives us uh, the, the power and the motivation and will allow us to, to focus on the right things 
to be able to go through the process, which isn't necessarily always an easy process. I, I know it's simple, but it can be really hard to put your will on the altar. And in essence, repentance is having your will swallowed up in the will of, of Jesus Christ. I, I wrote this down several years ago and would use it in my class when I, when I would teach the course. This was the best I could do to try to define how I feel about repentance. Repentance is to turn around and face the Savior, Jesus Christ, to receive his atonement and to give yourself wholly and completely to him. It means to surrender your agency to him and to have your will swallowed up in his will. C.S. Lewis wrote, The Christian way is different. It's harder and it's easier. Christ says, Give me all your sins. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your work. I want all of you. I have not come into your life to torment your natural self, but to kill it. Hand over the natural self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. That's what I think it means to have our will swallowed up uh, in the will of Christ. When we speak of a broken heart, Scott, it's not about Christ mending our heart. In Ezekiel 33, he say, says, I will give you a new heart. It's about getting a new heart, not having a mended heart. That's the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, and, and that's how we should see repentance. You know, Dave, um, as we talk about this, you know, we talk about broken heart, we talk about contrite spirit, we talk about godly sorrow, and how those things are how we come about and start putting the conditions of repentance into our lives. I like this this little uh, paragraph out of the book, and it, uh, when I say the book, the, the Divine Gift of Forgiveness by uh, Elder Neil L. Anderson. Uh, it says here, the Lord has told us that if we come forward with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he will not just repair our heart and cleanse our spirit. He will give us a new heart. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. I mean, we just, we become different. We become new. We become more like him. And, that, you know, and you, you also mentioned earlier, uh, made reference to another great quote uh, by uh, Elder Neil A. Maxwell. He said, if we, chose, if we choose the course of steady improvement, which is clearly the course of discipleship, we will become more righteous and can move away from what may be initially a mere acknowledgement of Jesus onto admiration of Jesus, and then onto adoration of Jesus, and finally to the emulation of Jesus. We become like him. Yeah, so ad acknowledgement, admiration. Think of the different levels here in your yeah. relationship with Jesus Christ, which Elder Maxwell teaches us here, and I know you, there's more you want to finish that, but just think of the different levels. Acknowledgement admiration are you on that level are you on the level of adoration or are you f on the higher level of emulation 
And, and so, you know, I do want to finish the quote, but just to continue on what your what your uh, thought process is there as well. You know, this is how it works. You know, when he says, come unto me, and we, you know, there's a few things in scripture that we're commanded to do. You know, we're commanded to love him and love others. We're commanded to be like him. And, you know, as we become like him, this is how it may work for us. You know, we come to know him. And so as we get to know him a little bit, first off, we acknowledge that he exists and that he existed and that he was who he said he was to a degree. And then we become uh, admirers of Jesus in the admiration process. And there's people in my life who I've admired over my life, and that admiration leads me to want to be a little bit more like them. I mean, that's just naturally who I become. And then we learn to love him. That's what adoration means. You know, we adore him. And as we learn to adore Jesus Christ, finally, the emulation of Jesus is well in effect in our lives. Now, that's something that requires constant nurturing, constant effort on our part. And then he goes on in the process, in that process of striving to become more like him through steady improvement. And that's a key through steady improvement. That's very important. We must be in the posture of repentance, turning away and turning towards him. Even if, even if no major transgression is involved. You know, that takes work. That takes so much faith and work instead of relying on our own best efforts, we need to learn to rely on the merits of Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we've said this before, uh, redemption is the goal, not assimilation. So let's be clear here. We want to uh, emulate the life of Jesus Christ which is so much more than just trying to assimilate good habits. It's becoming more holy. It's becoming uh, sanctified. It's, it's uh, d- developing a relationship with our Heavenly Father and doing His will. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a system of assimilation of good habits. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a system of redemption through Jesus Christ and his atonement. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's how we should see it. I love what President Kimball said many years ago and have used this quote so often. Uh, I think this is from uh, his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness. But he said, in connection with repentance... The scriptures use the phrase, with all his heart. In other words, we need to be repenting with all our heart, with all our soul, with all of our being. So many people, I think, just think it's a change of behavior. It's so much more than that. Obviously, this rules out any reservations. Repentance must involve an all-out total surrender to the Lord. That transgressor is not fully repentant, who neglects his tithing, misses his meetings, breaks the Sabbath, fails in his prayers, does not sustain the, the prophet, breaks the word of wisdom, does not love the Lord nor his fellow men. A, reformer, a reforming adulterer who drinks or curses or does so many other wrong things is not repentant. God cannot forgive unless the transgressor shows a true repentance which spreads to all the areas of his life. 
So, so often, again, we, we have a tendency to focus on the big sins of commission while we neglect the smaller sins, but sins nonetheless, of omission. And it kind of goes back to James. I know this is in St. James in the Scripture. I don't have it right here in front of me, where he says, if you omit in one area... If you fell in one area, if you sin in one area, you've you've sinned in them all, and and that's kind of the essence of what I think what President Kimball is saying here, Scott, that uh, it, it's a, it's a, it has to be a total surrender, it has to be a seeking to live all the commandments, and I I know we I know we won't, we can't, we we're mortal, we're fallen, we're sinners, we'll sin every day. But it's the effort, it's what's in our heart, it's the desires of our heart and the focus that, that we have in our minds that I think is, is so important in this, uh, in this effort. Yeah, so uh, the uh, reference uh, that you just uh, made mention of is in James chapter 2, and it starts verse 9. But if ye have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law of the transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law... For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You know, Dave, I've used that, and I, I've heard other people actually use that scripture too. And I think he's talking the law of gospel, not law of Moses there. Right. But. Yeah, right. But And so, you know, I've used that, and I know other people have too, as, you know, kind of a shield. You yeah. know, don't judge me. You know, look at your own self. Look, you know, have you sinned today? If you've sinned today, you're guilty of all of it. Don't judge me. Judge you, you know. Yeah. But now my my persp- perspective on that's different today. And it, it, it's not just today, but it's been this way for quite some time now that I see that now as a mirror, not a shield. Mm. I look at that scripture as a mirror for me. Mm. You know, it's not for me to read to somebody else who might I might be feeling like is judging me for whatever reason. But if I take verse 10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. And so I need to remember that too. So I can't just repent of whatever a certain favorite sin or certain unfavorite sin and hang on to others and still be repentant. And until I'm repentant, I will, I have very little hope, no hope of having the entirety, the full gift of the Holy Ghost at work in my life. And I think we need to remind ourselves and our, our listeners, Scott, of, of this amazing scripture where the Lord promises us, yea, as often as my people repent, right. will I forgive them their trespasses bef- against me? Uh, I, I know that, I don't know how it works for you or for others, but I know that I've I have to repent of oftentimes the same sins uh, repeatedly, and uh, they often come back to haunt me. And I've I've often cried to know why that is, why I have certain tense uh, tendencies or propensities, or uh, why that's such a weakness for me that I keep praying will become a strength someday. But I I just think it's really comforting and. Well, comforting to know that the Lord will forgive us uh, even if the natural man keeps kicking in over and over and over again, committing the same sins. What was the reference on that? That's that's Mosiah 26, verse 30. So, yeah. And is repeated in other places in the scriptures. 
And I think that, uh, you know, as we remember that, it certainly helps us to lay hold on and to maintain grip of, you know, the iron rod, the word of God, to help us to have the happiness and and to partake of the fruit of the tree of Lehi's vision, right? And as we do that, you know, um, I think that we begin to fill him more closely and more fully in our lives at all times. There, I know uh, many priesthood leaders right now, I, having been a bishop, branch president of the MTC, and stake presidencies, I know this scripture is, uh, is often used. I've used it so many times to try to get the attention of, of members who are sinning and who are not quite uh, where they ought to be or haven't quite met the conditions of repentance, and I've often tried to use this to, to help them. And yet sometimes I think it's used by members of the church or, or priesthood leaders, maybe others, as kind of a little bit of a club. But it's in Doctrine and Covenants, section 82, verse 7, and it reads, And now verily I say unto you, I, the Lord, will not lay any sin to your charge. This is after they've repented. And he's forgiven them in verse 1. He says, I... Uh, uh, as you have forgiven one another your trespasses, even so I, the Lord, forgive you. So he's forgiven them, and and then he says, Go your ways and sin no more. Here it is. But unto the soul who sinneth shall the former sins return, saith the Lord your God. Well, I used to use that a lot, and I think in, a, in probably a, a negative way to kind of help someone understand how important it was to not repeat the same sin over and over again. And I, I know that's true. We sh- we, we're not really truly repentant if, if we keep going back to former sins. But I do not believe, as I think I used to believe, that s- sins stack up, that they just, uh, you, you, if you uh, sin and you repent and then you go back and you commit it, it's twice as bad. Mm-hmm. Or you go back and commit it again, and it's three times, now it's three times worse. And I, I just don't believe this model. I don't think that's what this verse is saying, that the sins stack up, and it just gets worse and worse and worse, and it can get so big and so bad that you can never repent of it. I, that's, I'm sure that's not what the Lord meant by this. He's saying that sin is a wholesale approach. He's saying, but unto the soul who sinneth shall the former sins return, meaning he can't forgive us of a sin. We have to repent of all our sins. We can't try to repent of a sin while we're committing other sins of omission or commission. That's what I believe that verse means. And I think that's a uh, easier approach, honestly. Well, it's, I think it's a more simple approach from a offering of a loving Heavenly Father to us, for Ab- sure. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, if I'm, if I'm struggling with a favorite sin, and we'll just call it sin A, sin A, sin B, sin C. <laughs> so if I'm struggling with a sin A, um, but, but my sin B and sin C are still there, and I get sin A squared away, well, sin B and still sin C still have the same effect in that they keep me separated from the Spirit of the yeah, Holy Ghost. That's the key. Yeah, and so then I get sin B squared away, and sin A slips back in a little bit, but then sin B's gone. 
Sin A still keeps me separated from the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. I know every day we need to be in the posture of repentance, Scott. And that means that we just, we face the Lord. We, we don't give up on Him. Yeah. And that in those bad moments of our everyday life when we do, that we quickly turn around, that we speedily repent, and we turn around again and again and again, that that we don't take any shortcuts. Sometime I'll have to share with you a parable about that. That we don't that we don't take any shortcuts in this process, and that we strive to face him longer and longer and longer in our in our everyday life. I I think that's that's kind of how we how we have to see it, and. Uh, the, I know that the closer, the more we face him and the closer we get to him, Scott, the further our sins move away from us. The, the less frequently we'll commit those same sins, the, the, the less we will feel inclined to commit those sins. Right. I, I, know, I know that's true. I believe for me and my sins that as I face him, as I think of him, as I try to, uh, as he has encouraged us to do, I think commanded us to do, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not, behold the wounds and the prince. Anyway, Doctrine and Covenant section 6 again. I know that as we strive to keep that commandment, to look unto him in every thought, that our sins move further and further away from us. And I think really, Dave, that's the essence of repentance. Look unto me in every thought. Doubt not, there's faith. Fear not, there's faith and hope, right? Right. Uh, yeah, and, and it's all based on, as you said, behold the wounds which pierced my side and also the prints of the nails. In my hands and feet be faithful. Keep my commandments, and you shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. We can inherit that portion of that kingdom of heaven right here as we daily <laughs> repent, and as we constantly, and are in a constant attitude and posture of repentance, that just means we're turning more to Him, and we're not focusing. And we talked several weeks ago, a couple of months maybe even ago, several episodes for sure, about where's our focus. And that's really all it is. Our focus on being repentant rather than repenting of a sin is really what draws us closer to him. Loving him, Scott, includes loving his laws and loving his commandments. Right. And striving to keep all of his commandments. And I don't think any of us do that on a daily basis, but it's in the striving. It's hoping, you know, there's... There's the the question in the new uh, temple interview worthiness question is, uh, are you striving to be morally clean? I love that. Yeah. I love it. It's in the striving. It's it's not in the throwing of in the towel, giving up. What's the use? That's just who I am. That's that's not repentance. Repentance is looking to the Savior seeking to emulate him because we adore him, wanting to have a relationship with him. And, and having that become the essence of our, of our hearts and the essence of our lives. Uh, oh, man, Scott, life, life would be 
so much easier. Uh, we would have so much more joy. We we will have we will have so much more peace. Right. As we live daily in a posture of of repentance, looking to the Son, remembering as we make it as we made a covenant yesterday, partaking of the sacrament. Right. Remembering Him always. Remembering Him where. Remembering what He did for us. Remembering what he suffered for us, remembering his love for us—that's uh, that's repentance, and I, I I can't even talk about it right now without feeling that. I mean, I I want to do better. I want to be better. I want to strive harder to to keep commandments in ways that I that maybe wouldn't have if if we weren't talking about this today. Yep, yep me too. Yeah, and we go back just the tail end of that uh, quote again from Elder Maxwell. In the process of striving to become more like him, striving, you use that word, in that process of striving to become more like him through steady improvement, repentance, we must be in the posture of repentance, even if no major transgression is involved. Mm. So important for each one of us to uh, just grasp and lay hold to these principles that are eternal, that are saving, that add salvation and hope to our lives. Because, you know, each of us will and do face things in this life that beset us, that set us back, that are troubling, that we struggle with. And some of that involves sin, where we make bad choices, where the choices we make drive us away or drive the spirit away, rather, from our lives. And, and I think that as we focus on a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and in so doing, we are in the process of striving to become more like him through steady improvement. We need to remember that at that point, we will be in the posture of repentance, even if there is no major transgression involved. And in doing that, we have peace, we have his love, and all other things in our life just seem to kind of line up, even when, even when they're not lined up, Dave, even when there's trials, even when there's struggles. We talked to friends recently who, in their crying out and in their trying to become more like him... Um, through repentance, through turning and facing up the stairs rather than facing down the stairs, that that's where we uh, embrace and, and feel his embrace more fully as well. Well, last week we left with an invitation. I, I hope, by the way, that that some of you are, are have taken that invitation seriously and that you're experimenting uh, in your life with identifying your fears and that you are not just accepting those fears, that you become uh, more sensitized by your fears, and that we all pray with all energy of heart when we feel fear. And uh, we've been promised that uh, He will give us His love, not just, not just our love for others, but He will actually bless us through the gift of the Spirit with the gift of charity, which is the pure love of Christ, which is how Christ sees others and the love of Christ. And when we see others in the situations that we're in uh, through His eyes, and we have that gift of charity, the, that perfect love casteth out all fear. I, I hope you're experimenting with that, and I hope you'll continue to do so. As, as we do that, I pray that uh, we'll be able to uh, overcome our fear to repent. And uh, I 
want to leave another invitation today to all of us that we uh, that we start seeing repentance not as changing ourselves, but that we see repentance through the perspective of the Lord and again through His eyes that He wants to change us. That repentance is being changed, not just making changes in our behaviors. That that it's through His merits, that it's through our faith and re- learning to rely on Him. And I am I invite you to to consider that perspective and to focus on that. And that uh, one more invitation is that we stop repenting of a sin and that we start to repent of sinning. That we, as King Lamoni's father prayed, uh, I would give away all my sins to know thee. That, that's my, my hope and prayer for myself, for you, Scott, for our families, and for all our listeners. Thanks, Dave. Another great episode as we talk. I, I just want to reiterate, uh, I hope, too, that we can start to see repentance as our being changed instead of us making changes. Uh, change through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Change through his love, through his sacrifice, and through his power, because it requires his power to make that change as well. That's repentance. That is repentance. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we do appreciate your involvement. And again, uh, ask that you, uh, if, if, if you're so inclined uh, to participate in David's invitation, I know I'm going to, and uh, maybe next week we can kind of recap on that as well. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Have a great week. Make sure that uh, you're doing the things in your life that will allow the Spirit to be eminent in your life that you may be able to fill his spirit and fill the atonement of Jesus Christ at work in your life. And remember that he has redeemed you through his blood. Thanks for being with us.